Primo production, she put on for a shot. In this big city, I want them to mention me. <laughs> Talk your shit, Bree. Welcome back to the Bree Moore Productions podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, back in June, we recorded a podcast in Wichita, Kansas. And it was right after the closet sale that we hosted there. And I linked up with Autumn Black and Chris Walker. And we pretty much just vented about being entrepreneurs and being in this space with limited resources and the lack of support. And we also gave a shout out to those that support. And we pretty much just had a raw conversation about entrepreneurship. I want you guys to really listen closely to this to this uh, podcast episode because here's three black entrepreneurs that are pretty much just speaking our grievances. And we're not complaining. We're just telling it how it is. We're just giving our, you know, our opinions about entrepreneurship and also giving you guys insight on the difference between us and the the other parties, if you know what I mean. So, again, the Bremore Productions podcast is the safe place for the black opinion. We're going to be ourselves. We're going to be true. We're going to have raw conversations. And we're going to state facts. And facts is pretty much what we're going through, how we living. So please pay close attention and be more patient with black-owned businesses. And, you know, show us the same respect and love and patience that you give to others. Enjoy this podcast episode. Again, shout out to Autumn Black. You guys can listen to her podcast. It's Queen X Podcast. And also make sure you go um, look for Chris Walker. He has a clothing line. It's called Big Walker Apparel. And it's dope. Really, really dope. You are, <laughs> you already know that that's all I'm affiliated with. And also with Black Excellence. Continue to listen to the uh, Bremore Productions podcast. Please know that I am truly grateful. We're going to give a shout out to our sponsors and we're going to roll this out. Enjoy. Come on. Today I have Autumn with me. Uh, we tag team the closet sale together. And I also have Chris Walker. He has his own clothing line. You guys can introduce mm-hmm. yourself to people. So, I'm Autumn. I partnered with Bree on her closet sale, trying to get her down here to the Wichita area because, you know, Bree more global out here. She's about to be worldwide 2020. We manifesting that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am a culture store owner here in Wichita, Kansas, and I also have my own podcast, too. So, we, me and Bree, we vibe. Um, I think it's an Aquarius thing. And, uh, it's definitely and I'm Chris Walker. Uh, I have a clothing brand, Big Walker Apparel, here in Wichita. I'm honestly just trying to follow the good vibes with these two. So and he's Chris is all good vibes. He definitely good vibes. <laughs> his whole family, like we low key discovered that we was cousins, but immediately That's as soon nice. as he messaged me, I was just attracted to his energy because I was like, okay, this dude, I see what level he's on, and I vibe with that. Yeah, I think I think all of us in the room understand the uh, the importance of unity. 
Because Chris don't know me, and when you was in Dallas, we didn't never link up. Mm-hmm. But we still see value in each other. Instead of like, like you were saying earlier, like some people wait until people are like twenty thousand followers in and the then game. Like, okay, yeah. Oh, you somebody? Oh, they, now, they, now you hopping on the right? Like, yeah. And they they working with celebrities, and mm-hmm. now everybody want to support them, but. Y'all see value now while we in the mud. Yeah. And I think that's important. I recognize it because as an entrepreneur, like, I I know what the grind is, you know? Like, I see, okay, all the energy and the effort that you put into making the closet sale what it is. I'm I'm trying to get that energy. I'm trying to feel that energy because I know that you're putting everything into it. And I don't know if it is the picture that you want it to be now or if you envision it to be something else, but I see the steps. Of where you know what I'm saying it of what be. of what it can be, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm what it's feel going that. to be. I'm yeah. trying to feel that raw energy like right now before I, I got to get through twenty thousand people. I mean, I feel like right now when it's like still kind of underground a little bit, like that's where it means the most. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you you really figure out who you are as like a person. More so, like you know, when you put a couple thousand or whatever into a project <laughs> and you don't get that back, yep. Now you got to figure out how to go get it again and do it all over again. So this this is where it means the most right here. Yes. So today we're gonna speak about entrepreneurship, and I think entrepreneurship is definitely different for us as Black people mm-hmm. because we we don't have the the many many uh, privileges, and then resources are very limited Mm -hmm. it's either we got a few thousands but we got that few thousand because we've been grinding like nothing was handed over to us and the lack of knowledge like we are literally learning as we go and that goes from marketing to um inventory to so many other things Customer service. That's yeah, that's sure. a big, big, big thing. That'd be the killer. It is that <laughs> the majority of the time people complain. They don't complain about oh your product was shitty or your event was whack. It's always the customer service. Like I walked through the door, nobody greeted me. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there. Y'all say y'all open at twelve. Nobody was there at one thirty when I pulled up. Like it's always the customer service. <laughs> but I even think like. I think some of our people, though, like, they give us a hard time, though. Because they go to other establishments and don't receive that customer service, and they, and they still back. buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going back a few times. Well, we'll give them a chance, you know. So why, why do you think that is? Why do you think they, it's so easy to forgive McDonald's and Walmart, but not us? Mm-hmm. I guess that's the... What, the I don't know either. The, I guess it's because... Uh, Maybe number one, probably the convenience of Walmart and the McDonald's compared Mm to um, black businesses. You know, a lot of us are establishing black businesses, but it's not enough for us to like cut those other resources out. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I'll definitely, I agree with that. I'll say for sure, because in this area where we're at, there's a very like, like we were talking about earlier, when you called me a couple of weeks ago and you were asking about um, when you come down, where's a black restaurant, a black owned restaurant that we can go to? And I told you we don't have one. So then I asked Chris and Nisha whenever we was talking about it at the closet sale. So if you come down here and we want I like I want to take you out and show you a good time. 
there's not we wouldn't be able to spend our black dollars in black spaces. I would still have to take you to corporations, franchises, or white-owned local businesses. You know, so there's just so many. There's so much access to other races, other people's businesses that we kind of feel like we don't really have to. I don't have to save my money for black people. For us that's here, true. that's how I feel us here. But you got a lot more options in Dallas. I do have a lot more options. And I've noticed that while I've been here for a few hours. <laughs> Dang, it only took you a few hours? Dang. <laughs> yeah, it only took me a few Dang. hours to like, I'm like, oh my God. I, it, it reminds me so much of where my mom is from. My mom is from um, a small town. Well, she's not from there, but we have family in this small town in East Texas. It's called Winsboro. But the the um, parent city next to it is called Suffer Springs, mm-hmm. and this this place is definitely giving me like Suffer Springs vibe. First and of all, suffer. First of all, but like okay, so you gotta understand for the past, I would say, I would say for the past five years, like I've literally just been in black excellence, mm-hmm. like. That's all I know at this point. So it's hard for me to... It's not hard for me, but I I can feel the energy when there's not enough of our energy in the city, in a mm-hmm. room. Like, I can tell. Because I'm always around it. From Dallas to Philly to New Orleans. Like, mm-hmm. in New Orleans, it's, it's so deep in our culture. So it's like... I can feel it oozing off of you. Yes! I, like, can, I can just feel it oozing. The, new, the, the, the NOLA. The Facebook post, I'll be like, she really got it though. Right? So, Thank you. Every time. Every time. So yeah, I definitely feel that lack of energy here. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel it. So you think like so you're saying black excellence is like the black culture in those other places? I would have to say, um Cause I would say like it's it's it's, it's very deep in black culture. Like you see a lot of you see, like in in Philly, you see a lot of black people owning businesses. Mm-hmm. Most of the the businesses that we visit are black owned. So when I when I visit Philly for the first time, I think in twenty fifteen, um, it was no twenty sixteen. It was like oh, like I don't see this in Dallas. I don't see a lot of us owning businesses. But now in Dallas, I see a lot of us owning businesses. In mm-hmm. twenty sixteen, I didn't see that. But in in Philly, there are actually, like, establishments that we can go and touch and feel and smell and Mm -hmm. taste. In Dallas, we're still working on that, though. But it's definitely, like, it's definitely there. That presence is definitely there. Mm -hmm. So when you say black excellence, what, like, give me your definition of black excellence. Um, Black excellence is pretty much putting the community first in a graceful way. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot of us that's doing things, but I don't think it's. I think, I think it's for self. To me, black excellence includes the community. It's not only gonna benefit me, but it's gonna benefit Autumn, or it's gonna benefit Chris. Mm-hmm. It's gonna benefit us as a whole. Versus, it's a lot of us out here just making a million, but we ain't throwing it back. Or we obtaining knowledge, but we not throwing it back. To me, that's not black excellence. That's just excellence. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. that's just selfishness, you know. But when it comes to black she excellence. She took us to church, Chris. When it comes to black <laughs> excellence, like, you can't be selfish. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to think about the next generation. You got to think about the kids that's growing up now. And especially if you got kids, you want you want to see your kids. Um, you want your kids to see you mingling with other entrepreneurs, you know, and actually associating yourself with other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So when they grow up, they oozing that out as well, you know? Yep. Yeah. And make it generational, pass down. Exactly. I feel you. I feel you. That's why, I mean, even though my daughter is only 15 months, she coming with me. When we do the mm-hmm. whole uh, vendor thing, yeah, she right there. Even if she playing around, she's just in the mix. You right. know what I'm saying? She in that same air. So that way, when she gets to five, six years old, and I'm breaking this down to her, like, oh, yeah, you was with me right here, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that that's that has to be, like, a big, big part in, you know, why we do it. Yes. Why, why we're entrepreneurs. To me, I think... Um I think the purpose is greater than money, even though money is like very prominent and is needed. But I think the the money, you got to find a purpose that's greater than the money. Like you got to think about your kids or you right. even got to think if you don't have kids, you got to think about the kids that you're not going to have. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want the world to be a better place even after you. To mm-hmm. me, that's legendary. Yes. To me, that's black excellence. I five with it, okay. That's Nipsey right there. <laughs> right, real, real talk, though. Because I, I always think about, like, you know, um, they say you got to give people their roses while they're here. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you really don't know the impact until, like, they're gone. Until you're gone. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right now, like, you may think, like, oh, man, I'm just floating through life or whatever. But then when you're gone, it may be people that take little pieces that you didn't know were watching you. It, they they taking little pieces or whatever mm-hmm. from your life and your story, and it's making them better. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Because yeah. I always think about like our greatest African American heroes, like I, they never seen Malcolm. He never seen the, his end result. Everything that he was fighting for, he mm-hmm. was dead by the time it came, you know, to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I'd be thinking about that because I don't have any kids, and I'm like. You know what is my purpose and why? Why do I do it? And it is because like I don't want to see my end results. Like I want my results to happen. Like maybe not hella after I'm dead and gone, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Like I don't want to be here to see it because I need to still be working while I'm here. I need to still be feet on the ground, still working to get to something. I don't need to see the results right now. You know what? I have never ever heard anybody say that. Not even myself. That you don't want to see the results right yeah. now? No, because that means if I see the results right now, that I mean, means the work is done. Yeah, it's I mean, over. It's, what am I going to do if it's done? That's true. Oh, yeah. I live for this. What am I going to do if it's done? That's why that I like, sense. I mean, yeah. with, with the clothing brand, like, I try to uh, just drop little nuggets. Like, wealth is mental. Anybody can expound on that. So if you take that and say 15, 20 years from now, it becomes something else. Or you use that to create something for you or for whoever, mm-hmm. and then that builds and lasts for mm-hmm. centuries or whatever. I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you feel me? Your like, spirit is yeah. like yeah, yeah. Like I I'm, I'm solid. You know, after I'm gone, I'm gonna be like somewhere, you know, chilling. Like, oh man, that that started from this little seed right here. Mm-hmm. This one T-shirt became a big idea all the way down here. Yeah. So. 
That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is definitely beautiful. I feel like that's what the the purpose is, though. Like, the afterlife. Like, I feel like, even though you just mentioned Malcolm didn't see his end result, probably more than either, but they still live on mm-hmm. because what they did here. Like, I feel like, even though people kid around all the time about Tupac not being dead, but honestly, <laughs> he's not dead, though. Like, you still hear people <laughs> blasting his music. You still hear his voice. You still feel his energy. Mm-hmm. You true. know, people That's are still true. talking about thug life. Getting his him tattooed on oh, their body yeah. and all type and that's permanent, you know. These so kids exactly. That don't even know who that. They know even go to a concert. Nope, <laughs> that's so true. Right. So even Biggie, like Biggie, just got a, a street his street named um, in Brooklyn like last week. Oh, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, so see, and how long he been dead? Like twenty years. It's it's been a while, you know. 20. Yeah, he had a movie made about his life a couple years ago. They Tupac. still making movies about, yep. even though they should stop. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah. we know Give me everything. One, I take one, and then we good. <laughs> I take one. Nah, I think we need to just cut it out on the Tupac and Biggie movies, though. I mean, I actually liked the Biggie movie. I mean, the, I love the Biggie I, movie. I didn't like one. the Tupac movie. I'm and I'm a bigger Tupac fan than I am a Biggie fan, but I feel like the movie was not. That's not the way that I. That's that not the light that I want to see Pac in. Mm-hmm. I mean, they covered a lot of things that I didn't know about Pac. I didn't know that uh, Pac shot at. Uh, police officers in Atlanta. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. When he said thug life, guys, he meant that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But sheesh. <laughs> thug till I die. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, I didn't know that story. Yeah, and he got acquitted, I think, for that one. Mm-hmm. For that one. But, <laughs> you know, we know about, I know about, like, where he came from, his mother being part of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in prison while she was pregnant with him, and she ended up getting herself off. Um, so I always knew he came from a dope situation, but I didn't know he was that damn. Oof. <laughs> but so, like, even in that, though, like, uh, in one of his interviews, he said something like, uh, I'm going to spark the mind that, like, changed the world. Like, yeah. I may not mm-hmm. be the mind that changed it, but I'm going to spark the mind that changed the world. So I wonder if he ever saw, like, a Nipsey, like, hustle coming behind him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because Nipsey was influenced by Pac or even, like, a Kendrick was influenced by mm-hmm. Pac. And both of those guys uh, do good, did good for their community. But then, like, somebody like Nipsey on that magnitude, on, on, that, on that level, um, being inspired by Pac, I wonder if, like, Pac was, like, Somebody like that is going to come behind me. Yeah. I, I feel like... Do you feel like that now? Like, you feel like somebody is watching you that's going to eventually, if God forbid, if anything happened to you, they're going to pick up where you left off. Do you yes. feel that? Yes. I feel that way right now. Definitely. I have... Um, because of this location where we're at and the barbershop that's down here, that's in our, um, that's in our plaza, the kids come in here to get snacks all the time. So when I won that, um, when I won the, uh, Urban Professionals Award last year and I put it up here and when the kids come in, like they love to, they love that. They love seeing that I won an award for coming for this store that I own that they come and they visit. Like they're like, whoa, what did you get an award for? Are you the fastest runner in, you know, in your class? 
I don't go to school, but you know, uh, I'm like, no, I won an award for this this place that I own that you guys come and you hang out with me on the weekends. And they were like, you can win an award for that? Yeah, you can win an award for that. So like that that's something that just changes the way that they view things, the way they think. So I definitely, definitely, definitely think that somebody, somebody's looking, somebody's watching, and it, it is going to just develop on somebody's mind, I would hope, but I really do believe that. I do. Mm-hmm. And you work with so many kids in the in the schools, you know, helping them with their fashion, their dream of becoming a fashion designer. You can't possibly think that nobody's paying attention. And I know the kids in your class That's helped true. you design your stuff. That's true. Yeah. Like, you can't possibly think that nobody's watching. People are definitely watching, especially the kids. And I feel like we need to give them options, you know, to show them a way that you can make money doing what you love, not mm-hmm. just... You know, oh, I got to play football and what else? I have to be a hip-hop artist or Mm -hmm. even the worst, drug dealing and prostitution. It's like, no, you can actually make a legitimate way of living by doing what you love. It might, to me, I tell people all the time, slow money is better than fast money. Mm-hmm. Cause slow money, you get to manage it. That's true. <laughs> hey, that's true. Oh. Fast money comes with too much drama and bullshit, and you know you gotta watch your shoulders and stuff. I mean, you got you gotta watch your back with slow money, but at least you have some type of idea. You right. I never ever hater. thought about that. But fast money, it's just too much going on. Like I tell people all the time, even Pablo couldn't overcome the bullshit. Right. So, it's yeah, crazy. <laughs> and they tr- when they killed dude, when they finally caught up with dude, the way they killed him, though, they treated him like he was a pig. Like, they held up his head and took a photograph right there. Like, he was a dog or something. And this is this is a legendary drug dealer. So, if he couldn't escape, escape the bullshit, what makes you think mm. you can escape the bullshit? This, this man ain't even built his own prison. And he still didn't overcome the bullshit. Damn, I never thought about I, that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, I ain't, and then after he, after he died, his family was broke. So you did all yeah. that for what? Yeah. And that'd be when it does come to the, you know. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. When it comes to the people that work in that industry that are the drug dealers, I'm like, okay, if this is what you're doing, that's fine and that's cool if that's what you want to do now but in the long run are you you're doing it to help your family now but if anything happens to you they're going to be worse off mm-hmm. it's going to be an even worse situation you got to put that money somewhere you got to do something with it yeah you definitely have to put the money somewhere like you definitely have to invest but at the at the same time like it's getting to it gets to the point where you have to invest in another name mm-hmm. you got to create a whole another situation cuz I don't know. Like when he when Pablo passed away, like his family had to get out of Dodge specifically because they was his family. Yeah. So they don't live the same either. That's true. I feel like the legacy you you leave behind can't be detrimental like to your family. That's that's what's tough. You want to sit with me, Johnny? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, lady. I don't know you like that. <laughs> he need to chill out. <laughs> you want some juice? Okay, bye. That's so funny. He was right in front of the. Yeah, he just stood right in front of the camera, like. That's funny. And turn those chips up. Oh my gosh. He was. So, 
you know, like we were speaking earlier about entrepreneurship. What do you guys think is the biggest challenge when it comes to entrepreneurship? Oh, shit. Um, I would say for me is um, like maintaining a level of like confidence. So um, in those moments where like that I've had where I'm like, man, I got this fire design. Mm-hmm. Let me put it out there and then nobody buys it. So like, I'm feeling like that's like my best that I got. And then nobody, nobody sees that, you know, same value in it. So like, I would have to like really like tell myself like, I, hey man, you really got to go back to the drawing board and dig deeper, find something else. You know what I'm saying? Find uh, another way of conveying your message you know with your with your clothes try different try different colors try um different words or um things like that to be able to gravitate to the mind because at first like i was just gonna do just like tees with sayings on them but then uh a couple about a month ago i actually did something like a drawing on it with a brain that had uh think inside the veins of the brain and like from kids to to adults, like they all liked it. And that was something I never thought I would do with add like graphic art. It would just be like saying. But I was in a funk. I was like, man, like ain't nobody really buying this. Let me try something different. Let me do this. So maintaining that confidence and versatility. Yeah. That was that's what was tough for me. Not necessarily money, because I mean I work three jobs basically I got like three strands of income I can work I can find the money (laughs) but it's just being creative through all the you know setbacks and negativity that's what was tough for me I never would have assumed that about you just because his like your shit is dope I got that you know what I'm saying I feel like it'd be it'd be hard but when I put it out sometime like people be I'll be sitting on it for months and I put it out there, and people don't, people don't vibe with everything. But mm-hmm. that's cool. Like I got to the point where I'm like, you know, uh, big walk apparel is for everybody, but everybody ain't for big walk apparel. Yeah. So like, I just gotta. Oh, if you ain't with it, well, let me let me slide this to the people that's with it. Right. And they give you what you like. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying to a degree. So. Yeah, I agree with that. So I would say for me, the hardest part about entrepreneurship is getting people, getting people to understand the value of what I do. Mm. Because a lot of mm. what I do, people feel like is just something that can, can be done or should be done for free. So getting them to understand that this is the price and this is the cost for this and this is why, they just don't understand. And it... It don't really be frustrating to me because um, I think I'm the complete opposite of Chris, but sometimes it can get to the point to where it's a lot of ego because I just be like, well, fuck it. Fuck it and fuck you then. And I'd be done with it. (laughs) And I'm like, you know... Maybe, you know, maybe you can not be such a hothead and take a take a step back and look at it and be like, okay, well, we can negotiate. We can talk about, you know, and just be a little bit more friendly. But I really be like, on to the next. <laughs> I'm kind of getting to that point, but. I mean, in my mind. I'm I definitely just... at that point because I feel like if you entertain 
the people that just don't get it, then it 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 really holds you down. Like you start getting a little depressed. And because I was I thinking about that. it, and I, I'm I like, I'm in in my email. I'm talking to this one person in this email, but there's like how many people? How many billions of trillions of people exactly. in the world? So mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, maybe just fuck this conversation and let me talk to somebody else. Because then you <laughs> feel like, to me, when I feel like I have to over-explain myself, I feel like I'm tap dancing. And that's mm. the reason why I don't work for nobody else. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because right <laughs> if I'm performing, like, I might as well go get a real job. Well, not right. a real job, but a corporate job. Because that's all. No offense to anybody. <laughs> but that's how that's. But how you got to put on this face and yeah. you got to put on this costume and you have to put on this act. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, if you just don't get it, that's fine. I'm good with that. That's cool. Because my, my mentality is like, now I'm begging. Now I'm begging yes. you, and now I'm yeah. pleading with you, and I'm like, nah. And that's like not you fair said, because you got time. Yeah, you don't have the time to really entertain that conversation because you can find somebody else that's like, okay, I'm with it. Right. You're like, damn, I could have just been over here fucking with you, but I've been <laughs> over here trying, trying to, to get this person to yeah. get, see my greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that about entrepreneurship because. You just, then it's, sometimes it's like, you never know, this person will string you along and act like they understand the value. And I'm like, oh, you really have it going. Yes. You really have it going. So I, I do not, I don't vibe with that at all. That really really gets under my skin. And then I be, oh, I had the worst experience ever. Okay, so this girl contacted me about a painting for her fiancé. She was going to propose to her fiancé. She wanted it to be special, so she hired me to paint this piece for her. And she was like, I want it this way, I want that way. And I was like, okay, allow me to be creative, and I got you. So I'm sending her updates of the painting, like from, okay, here's a blank canvas. I'm about to get started. (laughs) And then I sketch it out. Okay, here it is. I'm about to start painting, like step by step. Like, I'm damn near done, and this girl tell me, you know what? I decided not to include the painting in, in my proposal. Oh, I would have been sick. <laughs> Did you do a down deposit? No, because I trusted her. Fucking uh, Aquarius. And that's where yeah. I fucked you, up at. I was Aquarius. like, did she really uh, just hold me like this? Like she really hold me. See, and this is where <laughs> this is where you have to get into the difference between personal and business. Like Bree trusts her, but Bree more productions don't trust nobody. Oh, yeah, that business. That business don't know. After no that, faces. exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. After that, I was like, oh no, new like, phone. Who this? Where the it's deposit? getting to the point, bro. I don't. I don't want deposits. Give me my money up front. All I don't, of it. All of it. I don't want deposits no more. That's how I feel, like, honestly. And you people been winning. Y'all. Like, people been winning. I'm like, give me my money up front. You need 500 right now? Yes. <laughs> Unless I know, like, if Autumn come to me and Autumn say, Bree, I want to I wanna put on a fashion show, I'm going a, I'm to a cut you some slack. But anybody else that I don't know, I want my money up front. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because and like I, I'm, I'm actually not even mad about it. Like, I, I'm not even, I don't even think that you crazy for that because... I've put on events before, and they're like just basic events. A whole entire fashion show, the amount of time and energy that it takes for you to create that. Yeah, I, I want my money up front. I can see this. Yeah. <laughs> I can see this just in case. 
I, 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 I let certain people slide, but for the most point, if I don't, mm No, because they go into other establishments and be ready and cool to pay other people. Like, no problem. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen the same people that give me a hard time walk into other events and go ham. I'm like, oh, word? Okay. Well, from now on, <laughs> come on, on. I can't energy. even come, come with that card ready the same, to swipe. The same energy. Like, I just can't. I can't do it no more. I have office rent. Facts. Mm. I have expenses. I I have business expenses. That is something that a lot of people don't take into consideration is uh, entrepreneurship is a lot of freelance, but there's an overhead cost to that. Like material costs money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you you want your your product as soon as you hand me the money. Yeah. So I I have to pay for this ahead of time. Yeah. So when you go pick up your shirts, do they give you a payment plan? Nah. Okay. No <laughs> when I pay my when I pay my office rent, they don't give me no payment plan. They want their money up front. Like yes, it's, it's like, due today. Yeah, it's due today. You can pay it early. It's right, off the muscle. I need that money before you come pick it up. Is it? See, I'll be like, oh, okay. Well, let me make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> but somehow people just expect for you. Once you say that you're an entrepreneur, or you have a business, they expect that you just got it like that. They do. Yeah. You just got it like that. Oh, you own a business. Oh, you starting a business? You got oh, money. you got it. You got, you got it. Money. Not make sense to me at all. It doesn't make sense to me Total either. Back, they, well, they won't understand it until they end the shit. Yeah, and that's that's when the understanding always comes in. But it's because I mean, a lot of people you ask them to just off the top of their dome name a business, they're gonna name a big major corporation business. So they're mm-hmm. not thinking about the fact that. You starting a business means that you are where McDonald's was on day one, not yeah. where McDonald's is at on the corner right, right now, now, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, they're not thinking about that at all. They're just thinking about, oh, so now, so now Brie Walmart, she got it. Yeah. She got it like that. And I'll be like, I don't know Brie's pockets, y'all, but Brie ain't got it like that. <laughs> at all. Not right now. Nope. At all. Like, I don't know. I think I, she got it. I, no, I don't. No, she got the juice. No, nope, that's why I said. <laughs> I do got a shoebox. But no, nope, no, nope, I do not got it. Like, literally, I tell people all the time, and this is this is the reason why when my building contacted me and they say, Brie, give us a quote. Give us a quote that you feel represents you and your brand. And I said... In entrepreneurship, your only currency is faith. Mm-hmm. Like, the way I'm moving in and, and traveling to other cities to <clears throat> expand my brand, I just talked to my friend last week, and I'm like, bro, we be in other cities. Like, we got it. Like, I've been in, in Philly with just $50 in my pocket. No lie. Mm-hmm. As, as long as my hotel and flight is covered, Let's go. That's what I'm saying. Because I might meet somebody, or I might sell something, or they might see one of my paintings, or anything can happen, and we good. And that's just how it works out. That's faith. That's faith. Mm -hmm. I have been in New Orleans with, I think the last time we went to, the first time I went to New Orleans, I went to New Orleans with $100. $100 on a gift card, though. It wasn't no money on my in my bank account. It wasn't no money in my PayPal account. It was $100 on a gift card. A gift card that wasn't even for me. It was given to me 
uh, to buy supplies for the after school program, but I'm like, I need it this weekend. I'm gonna put it right back. <laughs> right. But I gotta go to New Orleans because right. the closet sale here. is this weekend. Like I have to go. It was the first. I have to go. It's the first closet sale in New Orleans. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. And you know, I get people to come with me, so the the uh, cost of gas and all that is. You know, chopped down. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's chopped down, and I don't have to spend a lot. And then when I get there, I just eat at the restaurant. I just eat at the closet sale and just call it a day because I'm gonna get a discount. So, mm-hmm. and if I have to take leftovers to my hotel room and mush down on that for dinner, I'm good. <laughs> Free breakfast at the hotel. This is the way I think. Uh huh. Mm. So no, I don't have it like that. And then on top of that, I have a son. So a lot of my money goes to him. Like. He's growing shoes and clothes and food and funyuns and funyuns fun like what snacks y'all see me snacks and it's like but that don't bother me none though mm-hmm. because now even if I just meet one person in in Kansas now somebody know about Breedmore Productions in Kansas somebody right or if I just come across two people in Philly that's two people that didn't know about Breedmore Productions mm-hmm. that's that's somebody. Or in New Orleans, like I don't think about the quantity anymore. I just think about the quality. I just make sure that my vibe is right. I make sure my intentions are right, and I just link up with people that's like minded, mm-hmm. and we good. Right. That's mm-hmm. how I think about it. I don't think about like, oh, I gotta have like fifty people at the closet sales per city. I feel like now I gotta lay down that bl- that blueprint and shake some hands and kiss some babies, and I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. I don't, you know, honestly, you don't need a lot of money to travel. No. You really don't. No. I so, but with that being said, though, I'm going to run that back. My biggest challenge when it comes to entrepreneurship is working capital. Mm-hmm. Being able to, you know, save up the money that you get from events and stuff like that because. I've been breaking even, but now I'm like, okay, breaking even is good. That's great. But can we get some type of profit? <laughs> and can I, and I, and also like the knowledge, because I'm the first in my family to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had other family members to start their business and, you know, have like a side situation, but this is not a side situation to me. This is this is the life. This is full time. Uh-huh. So the lack of knowledge is also a downfall too, mm-hmm. because you know I don't have that that mentor that can come in my office and be like, "Where's your budget sheets? Where's your your financial planning? Where's your business plan? Where's this? All my shit is coming from me. Mm-hmm. Like it's coming from me doing my research, reaching out to other people, going to classes. I secretly been going to classes at the SBA just to learn more about just business. Period. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. financial planning and business planning, setting goals and marketing and stuff like that. Because I don't have that. Nobody knows. Like nobody mm, in my nobody family know that shit. Yeah. Like nobody. Yep. Same and I'm boat. really out here, I'm just really out here hustling. Like, just the legal way. The legal way. Yeah. I, f- I definitely feel you on that. Because there's nobody, I have nobody to ask on how to do that. Because they've never. And then on top of that, 
when I do reach out to other people and they say, oh, what's your business? I say a production company, event planning. Mm-hmm. Oh, what type of events? They thinking like concerts or festivals or something, like something that's relatable. Fashion shows. Oh, I get an oh. Uh, what? I say pop-up shops. You know, pop-up shops are fairly new, but I uh-huh. call my shit closet sales. Oh, yeah, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, damn. So now I'm just going to reach out to like, New York Fashion Week or the Magic Show in in Vegas and really just reach out to those people and just find somebody to, like, shadow at Mm -hmm. this point. Because nobody around me know what the hell is going on. Is educated on that. And so that's something that they always talk about, though, like getting yourself into circles of people. Like, you never want to be the smartest one or the person that knows the most about something in a room or in a circle. Yes, because I feel like... And I'm not, and I'm not trying to sound conceited or cocky or anything like that. But where I'm from and where I'm at, I feel like the smartest. Mm-hmm. You feel like you like you the one that's definitely like I'm. And I'm like the nigga, I need help. <laughs> I need help too. Shit, people come in my office, they look around, they asking me tons of questions. I want to ask you questions too. <laughs> oh, Bree, I want you on my team. I need you on my team too. Damn. So you understand that, like, that's <laughs> why you were talking about the unity earlier, because you like, I need somebody. Like, I need yes. somebody, wow. not necessarily anybody, but anybody. Anybody. Who, who, who ready? What you want to do? You want to file paperwork? You need, what you want to do? You want to send emails? Right. I'm doing all this shit by myself. Like, I'm, I feel like a machine. So. Well, I know I'm soaking all this <laughs> right, because she got the juice. I mean, I'm, that's in that I'm, same, I'm in that same boat, like feeling like you can't really go to, uh, you don't really have anybody to go to. Now, I, I will say, like over the past um, probably like three months, like I've developed a relationship with somebody in the town that got their own brand, and I like ask like different things about like product placement or uh, marketing, advertising, and things like that. But until then, uh, up until then. I was just going off the door. Like I'm just, and just letting it ride out. We were trying to see what happened. Yep. What works? Let me I'd be like going. ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all think? <laughs> and they'd be like, Girl, hey. I wasn't living and we wasn't doing this. <laughs> social media? Huh? Right, right. Yeah, That's not that experience at all. Now, I can help you, like, you know, protect you from hoe-ass people, but when it comes to this, nah. Yeah. Shit, my ancestors are still trying to convince me to cook chicken. They want to teach me how to cook chicken, and I'm like, well, first of all, I don't eat meat. Mm. <laughs> That's not something Our that I do. Our chicken is not the same <laughs> it's not from the what same. they was eating. It's not the same. I don't same. want none of that. I no, do. they I would be. They would now. be definitely like disappointed. Like I feel like all their stomachs would be like toe up. Oh, definitely. Oh, for sure. These these chickens nowadays lean to the left when they <laughs> when they walk. In. They talk back. <laughs> <laughs> these chickens now talk back. Are they say huge? Something? Oh my yeah. goodness! They are huge chickens. It's a problem. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to get away from eating meat. Take it slow. That's what I always tell people. Just go slow. I cut out pork. Which is good. That's I definitely suggest that be the first step that swine. everybody take. I call it swine. Swine sounds like really bad. It does. It, it does sounds sound. like it sounds like I'm about to be sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds horrible. That word does sound horrible. <laughs> um, so yeah. Pork is the first step, but chicken is like the last to go, I feel like. 
fish, for me. Fish is the last to go. Oh, really? Fish is the last to go. For me. But chicken chicken was the next I to the last. I can't stop eating fish, though. For me, I couldn't. Uh, it was hard to let go of catfish. Ooh. Um, Yo, such niggas. <laughs> my, hey, no lie. My favorite meal growing up was catfish and cheese grits. Mm. What? Hey, that's what we was on. <laughs> we oh, my it. gosh. We had it every... Every other week. I probably ate grits twice in my entire life. Are you serious? My entire life. Oh my gosh. I had some badass shrimp and grits at this event one time. It was perfect. And what you know it was good because the food was cold. But we were still chopping down. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is some good food. <laughs> you ain't even gotta throw it in the microwave. You just you just killing it. You right. That is that's perfectly seasoned. I yeah. feel you on that. Yeah. I know seasons. If I don't know nothing else, I'm like, yo, y'all need some seasons or something. <laughs> taste paprika in this right here. <laughs> That's funny. So, because I travel a lot, I have came across a lot of um, black entrepreneurs. And I feel like everybody complains about their city. Everybody's dissatisfied? Mm. Everybody. So, you're not happy in Dallas. Not... I don't want to say, I don't, I I don't want to put I'm, that on there. No, I want to say I'm not happy in Dallas because I actually love my city. Mm-hmm. Um, do we lack unity? Yes. And then it's just this strange vibe, like this spirit or something that's going over Dallas. Like, I, I don't think we, I, I really don't know. I don't think we get it yet. Like, we just don't understand it. But we definitely have the potential because there's so the many complete... dope-ass people in Dallas, but... Like like I told you earlier, if somebody else see that you doing what they doing, they gonna cross you out instead of like linking up with you and be like, mm-hmm. hey, let me get on your podcast because I got a podcast too. So they're not mm. on the uh, not collaborate or not com- yeah. compete, collaborate type of thing. Yeah. See, I felt the complete opposite. When I lived in Texas, I was like, that's where I like learned my game and my education on being a black entrepreneur, being in black business and being black and proud of it. Like that's the energy that I brought here to Wichita. But I think that I literally think that as human beings, we're all supposed to be nomads. Cause like you said, everybody complains about their hometown. Nobody's satisfied or happy where their, where their roots are at. I think it's because we're all supposed to be moving. I don't think mm. that we are supposed to be. Is that not what our ancestors did, tribe to tribe? Like, did they not move around when the weather changed? I don't think that we're all supposed to just be here all the time. That's what um, D.L. Hughley actually said um, not too long ago. He was speaking about the death of uh, Nipsey, and they he kept saying that people, like, he, he was disturbed that people kept saying, Oh, he died in his neighborhood. He died in his neighborhood. And they was like, he was like, no, that wasn't his neighborhood. His neighborhood is the world. Yes. And he was mm. like, once people get that out of their mind, then they start thinking differently. They start being different, mm-hmm. which is which is definitely true because. Okay, Pastor Hughley, yeah, I see you. Yes. The is the, the world. The neighborhood is the world because I feel like I'm not from here, but you have made it welcome so mm-hmm. it's like oh okay this is my temporary home or mm-hmm. you can come to Dallas and we can be sitting in my office and you can feel the same way about Dallas mm-hmm. or we can go to Philly together mm-hmm. and you see all these black people doing amazing things and we, oh, okay you feel at home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can go to Atlanta and feel at home so right. I definitely feel that I definitely feel that 
Um, is it our resp- uh, responsibility to take what we learn from the world to the the neighborhood that wa- raised us? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But should we just stay in that neighborhood and just just stay? No. I I agree with you. I think we need to move around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's mm-hmm. if you're if you're just constantly. Uh, condensed in one specific area then you're you're only learning what the people next door to you are learning but if you go out and you go 700 miles east then you get to learn what they're learning over there and then you get to tell the people next door to you what you're learning that's that's just the way that i think about it is there's so much fucking life out here so many people that are on a day-to-day basis are doing shit that I've never even heard of. And I'm too nosy for that. I need to know what you're doing. I need to know what you're doing. (laughs) How do I know if I like it if I ain't never tried it? How do I know if I like it if I've never even heard of it? Ain't that crazy? That's true. I gotta touch everything. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah, because when I, I learned a few things in New Orleans, I just told my friends, I was like, y'all, we should go on a ghost tour. And I was like, what? And we end up going to like different, yeah, different oh, cemeteries. Yeah. <laughs> he leaned all the way back. I gotta, I gotta what? see. <laughs> I mean, I just look at it like this. Like, I was, do y'all watch the Netflix special? Um, she gotta have it. Yes. I've seen a couple episodes. You need to see. I love, I love that show. But uh-huh. second season, this season that's on there now, um, she went to uh, Puerto Rico. And the the woman that she was visiting told her that the world, our our world, is pretty much the um the home of our ancestors. Like they are still with us, mm-hmm. you know, spiritually. And when I went to New, it kind of rang a bell because when I was in New Orleans, now one time did even though it's called the ghost tours, but he kept saying ancestors throughout the entire mm-hmm. tour. And then he also spoke about uh, spirituality and how, because just growing up, when you hear voodoo, you think of negative. Like, you think of spells. You think of turning into a chicken or some shit. <laughs> but he sacrifices. Like, yeah, sacrifices <laughs> and chicken blood and crazy shit. And he actually ran down the history of voodoo, and he was like, it's not as negative as media has put out there. Mm-hmm. And because of that whole speech that he gave about voodoo, like, I was like, oh, wow. Now I look at it differently. Mm-hmm. Now when I see somebody that say, oh, I believe in voodoo, I'm not thinking, oh, shit, let me stay away from that woman. She's a human. Mm-hmm. She just believes in something else. And he was like, there's actually a lot of positivity in voodoo. He's like, just, you know, don't run from people that practice voodoo. Actually sit down and get to know them. And I'm like, uh. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, okay. You know, but it had to take a trip to New Orleans to get that. To get that. See, that's that's a tough one though. Because <laughs> I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Like, so I'm 25, and y'all want some gum? I'm I'm 25, and it's like I don't know how how many times like I've been, you know, we've talked about it, like, oh man, like, voodoo, that stuff is bad or. So, like, you have 25 years of saying that some, something's bad. Like, how do, how, how do you get to the point where, like, you're open to it? Like, is it just that one time, like, going down there? Or do you, like, 
did you like research it afterwards? Um, I know a few people in Dallas that practice different religions, not just like Christian, um, not just Christians or not just like Muslims. Like I, I know real people that believe in the sage and in, in the, the, the jars, the mason jars and mm-hmm. write names. And yeah, I know real people like that. And it's like, instead of me looking up her inside her head, I'm like, okay. <laughs> now I'm like, I want to know more instead of just approaching her with fear or not approaching her at all mm-hmm. because of fear. I don't want to live in fear, period. Yeah, that's me too. Period. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, I don't... If I if I know somebody is a racist, I'm not going to run from them because I know they're a racist. I'm going to sit next to you and be like, tell me more. <sighs> and why you think yeah, the way you think. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will run away or they'll like feel offended or I just want to know why you think that way. Mm-hmm. And then we can agree to disagree and go our separate ways. Yeah, I used to work at a uh, warehouse job where it was dudes had a Confederate flag and all that. And I mean, I was very, you know, um, adamant. But at that point in time, I'm like, I at least have to like fight their way of thinking with like knowledge and actual information. Because really talking to them, they don't, uh, they really don't know the meaning behind that. They're really just looking at it from like, uh, a lot of people, a lot of them were just looking at it from like a, this is like an American heritage thing. It's like a tradition. Like, and, and it was like legit. I really yeah. thought like, oh, you saying that as a cover up so you can really like, you really feel this way. But most of those dudes, like they couldn't tell me like anything about like the Emancipation Proclamation or anything that happened prior to that. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like us, like in in black culture, how we eat the way we eat and we think the way we think. It's the same thing over there as well. A lot of a lot of things that we do, a lot of traditions and food and uh, conversations and the way of thinking was passed down to us mm-hmm. without us even questioning nothing. Like I remember when I was in college and I got into it with my dad because. He was like, who you who you going to vote for? I was like, well, I got to write a paper about Barack and McCain. I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And he got mad because I said, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. He's like, no, you a Democrat. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because so. even political views was passed down to us. Mm-hmm. We don't question anything. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. in white culture. They don't question nothing. It's like, oh, Pop-Pop told me this, so mm-hmm. I'm run with this. Yep. You know, and it it and some of the shit don't make sense at all. <laughs> a lot of times, I wonder why they they never question like how how do you think it is that you got all this privilege and all these things that are just given to you and not equally given out in other communities, and they never question it. They never it's question just the it. way that it is. It's We're not, just people that deserve it, and they're just people that don't. Yeah, it's not their reality to be on the other end. Mm-hmm. So they, it's it's almost like impossible for them to understand it until they get to the point where they're on that other side. Mm-hmm. And the chances of them being on that, on the back end of it, it's slim because they're still getting the, you know, the resources, access to the resources. And they still think the way they think. It's a mentality. When you think that way, you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure you never end up on the other side. <clears throat> right. 
anything, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who is getting anything. topped. To- <laughs> I mean, this country was built on anything. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we want this land. Now nah, we ain't moving. All right, go ahead and slice them up. Like, I got some blankets for you guys. Yeah. With fucking smallpox in it to kill you all. Go ahead and kill them off. Like. It, this 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 country was built off of bullshit. Like shadiness. Like <laughs> torture and rape and killing people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they, they didn't, the founding fathers, they didn't get it out the mud. And isn't that crazy that they, almost all of them have holidays that we celebrate that we are supposed to like have parades and march down the street and just be like over, <laughs> like <not me>. overly <laughs> excited but that's why i say we're supposed to like all, almost every one of the founding fathers who you know built this country like we are supposed to stand up and even if i question know. the white people that do still celebrate columbus day like we we was in the same english class we both know how he got this land that's because they feed us the stories with rainbows and unicorns, mm-hmm. and they they pretty much make the picture look pretty when honestly it's ugly as fuck. Like, really, growing mm-hmm. up, did you did you think that slavery was a bad thing growing up? Yes, I didn't. I did. I mean, I I grew up uh, going to like a black like private school, and that was like the. They they laid it out raw. See, with, with, I didn't get that raw education. I what didn't they get telling that. you how you didn't think slavery was I didn't a bad think, thing. I didn't. It didn't register to me until I was like grown. Like after watching Hidden Colors one, two, and three, that's when I was like, wow. Because they sugarcoat everything. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like oh, like you think you. In our history books, you would think that the only thing the slaves was doing was picking cotton. And you're like, oh, that's not so bad. That's true. I'll say that. But when you go on and you think about now, not only was they picking cotton, but they was breastfeeding babies that wasn't theirs. They was getting raped. They was getting tortured. Now, they did. I will say that they did not go into the rape part of it. That was that was information that was new to me. The raping of the men and the raping yes. of the women. That was new information for me. I thought that they was just, you know, getting body parts that chopped off. That didn't say anything I mean, about... Uh, see, I didn't even know about that. That didn't say anything about the separation of families. That didn't say anything about our names being mis- uh, misplaced and to the point they would rename us, but uh, eliminate the documents mm-hmm. be, so we won't know our true selves. They didn't talk about the religion. They never did mention the religion. That was one thing they never did talk about the religion. They didn't talk about a lot. Of, they didn't talk about the food that we ate. You were like, "Damn, why are we eating this?" Because you know, in slavery, we had to take the scraps. I didn't know about the scraps until later on in life. Mm-hmm. It's it's so many elements in slavery that they did not break down. It was kind of like when you think <clears throat> of slavery, you think, "Oh, they just picking cotton." That don't sound so bad. Picking cotton. That don't mm-hmm. sound so bad. But all those other things is like. Wait a minute. <laughs> this said, is wait a up. minute. But I can say they was raw about the Holocaust, though. Facts. I mean, we talked about that for a long, a long time. time. And to the point that the Dallas Dallas have a Holocaust museum. We even went to the Holocaust museum. Did we go to any African? Did we go to any plantations? I didn't visit. I didn't visit a plantation until last year. When I went to New Orleans for the first time. See, I've never been to a plantation. Why I've we ain't never... been to no plantation? I went to one uh, 
it might have been like 2013, 2014. It's like uh, uh, my dad's hometown is 20 miles north of Tallahassee, Florida. And like right in between there is like a plantation. So we go through there. They have uh, the only record of like slaves is like 11. Now it's like a ton of land. We watched this little video. They they try to make it seem like four generations of like sisters made sure all that land was like you know seeded, cropped, and all that ready for harvest. Willingly. Willingly. Yeah. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> and we asked the people. I was like, hey, uh, you know, I ain't never been here before, but this is a whole lot of space for just you know these sisters. Four sisters. Four sisters. <laughs> I know it was some, it was some, it was some slaves here, some black people here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, well, we have this one picture." And it was a picture of like eleven of them, like on the front porch of the big, of the big house. And I'm like, "Oh, this is it." And he was like, "Yeah." But then off to the side, like uh, you can tell, like they let like trees grow around, but it was like uh, uh, housing quarters. Mm-hmm. For them. Mm-hmm. But it was way back off in the cut. Like you couldn't even see it on your drive, like up to the to the big house, but it was in the cut. And I was like, "Hey, what's that back there?" It's like, "Oh, that's like a old shed or something like that." It was shed size, but I'm like, "Nah, y'all sheds the don't have no up. windows." Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Why you need light in in the, in the shed? And there's four of them. Come on. Wow. Now. But they they hide it because. That's a it's a reminder of like, and I'm not gonna say like all white people are bad, but it's a reminder of like how they you know how they were mm-hmm. and really what's like embedded kind of in their in in their uh, thinking. Like it really takes just as much as it takes for black people to get over the hump of like, okay, like this white man is really not you know he really don't have his foot on my neck as much as it was back then, mm-hmm. so I can do something by myself. They have the same idea of that they're superior to a degree. Mm-hmm. So like breaking that, they have to break that chain too, just as much as we got to break the chain from the other end. But it only it's only gonna come with speaking truth and actual facts. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. I believe that the, that their mind is uh, just as warped and <clears throat> and fucked up from slavery as ours has been. That yeah. generational what do they call it? generational trauma. They have it too. Yep. It's a it's a different kind, but they got it too. And and I really do feel like they know, like the history was foul and was wrong. Mm-hmm. Because like the guys at at my old job, they would be you know Confederate this, Confederate that, and they'd be like, oh, there's no difference between a white man and a black man. We live in America. I'm like, cool. Would you trade places with me today? Okay, you guys, so for the new listeners and the new people that are not familiar with Brimore Productions, we are known for our fashion shows that we put on annually in Dallas, Texas. And I'm so excited to announce the date, which is November 9th. It's on a Saturday. And it will be at Arts Mission Oak Cliff. And the theme for this year's fashion show is Everything Dallas. We are paying homage to Dallas, Texas. I really want everybody that is a creative, um, an artist, 
a blogger, influencer, entrepreneur, even if you're working in corporate America, I really need you guys to come out, get your tickets today. Tickets are on sale and make sure that you are in the building to represent Dallas, Texas. Even if you're not from Dallas, you know, come out and support because you're here for a reason. So if you want to know more about Dallas and what's popping off in Dallas and who is who in Dallas, you need to make sure that you are at this year's fashion show because we put on for the city. We want the world to know that we are creative. You know, we're not all about the cowboy hats and the and the horses and the cowboy boots and all that country whoop the whoop that y'all guys ex- assume that we are on. We actually are brilliant minds creative hearts really 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 dope people so make sure you save the date november 9th which is on a saturday you can go get your tickets right now on breemore.com slash fashion show and get your tickets today you know we have great sponsors like dart we have arts mission oak cliff which is a dope venue that you guys oh my gosh i'm so excited and i know you guys are going to love it so make sure you save the date saturday november 9th you love fashion shows you love lit events you love being in um an environment where people are like-minded and you feel welcomed and you feel appreciated and you feel valued, you need to be at our annual fashion show on November 9th. November 9th, tickets are now on sale. Do not miss out. Peace.